0: the good news is BYU's top 25 and something what that is we're talking about on today's show as well as answering your questions in a mailbag you are locked on Cougars your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day you What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listener of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Appreciate all of your patronage. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, our friends over at Bird Dogs. Today's episode brought to you by the Bird Dogs team. Go to birddogs.com slash college and when you enter the promo code Locked College. they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. We'll tell you a little bit more about Bird Dogs at as today's show progresses, but diving right in on today's show, BYU's transfer portal hall this offseason is something we have chronicled heavily throughout the past few months. Actually, longer than that, we've go all the way back to January. So. I- Six months? I don't know. It's been a long time, but a lot of storylines involving BYU and their work in the offseason to upgrade their talent base as BYU gets ready to jump into the Big 12 conference. And it's obviously made an impression nationally. Now, obviously, uh, the transfer portal is uh, uh, something that's kind of new on the recruiting trail. A lot of services out there very much have added, uh, like, they've added, like, rankings for these transfer portal deals over the past two or three years since the transfer portal became a thing. And BYU checks in at Number 20, my friends, and that's some good news if you're a Cougar fan, is BYU is number 20 in the country, third best in the Big 12 Conference in terms of the overall rankings uh, from our friends over at 24-7 Sports. Oklahoma checks in at 8th nationally. TCU was just a spot in front of BYU at 19th nationally. As By the way, this is as a recording of this podcast. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State checking at 21st, just behind BYU. Baylor 22nd, Houston 27th, and then West Virginia 30th nationally to round out the top half of the 14-team Big 12. Actually, the worst team, according to these rankings, is Iowa State, all the way down at number 81. They are far and away uh, the lowest ranked of all of the Big 12 teams in these rankings. And I don't think that should go unnoticed if you're a BYU fan. The transfer portal has been used to great effect by BYU this offseason because they know, speaking of Kalani Sitake, Aaron Roderick, Jay Hill, on down the list of BYU staff, they know that they have a huge huge task in front of them. That is competing at the Power 5 level, year one in the Big 12, as they get going uh, just 87 days away from today. Happy Ethan Erickson Day to all of you out there by the way. Uh, check out our shorts on YouTube for our player countdown series we've been doing since day number 99. But with regards uh, to looking ahead at what's going on, BYU has brought in I, the tracker. It's kind of weird. I've seen places where it says BYU's brought in 21 players. By my count, BYU has got 20 players. They have brought him via the Transfer Portal, and as Casey Lundquist over at Cooks Daily, part of Sports Illustrated, notes, BYU could have anywhere between 8 and 12 potential starters who are Transfer Portal additions this season. And I, I agree with him, actually, with his breakdown because he went through the list, and he said that there were upwards of 16 guys he thought could start uh, for BYU Game 1 against Sam Houston State. Obviously, those include Keaton Slobos, Isaiah Banya, Caleb Etienne, Aiden Robbins, Eddie Hecker, Jackson Cravens, Paul Miley, and A.J. Pachon. He also mentions Camden, Garrett, Ian Fitzgerald, Deion Smith, Harrison Taggart, Jake Icorn, Keelan Marion, Darius Lasser, and Waylon Lapuaho. I can't argue, honestly, against any of those 16 names that he listed in this uh, article for Cougs Daily. Uh, you can go to si.byu. I said at college, I think, slash BYU uh, for more on this. And as he notes, that he thinks that there is uh, multiple positions where a transfer could start. Linebacker, uh, wide receiver, obviously. Offensive line, cornerbacker, safety, that type of opportunity exists out there for BYU. So it's not crazy to think, like uh, we just stated, that BYU could have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 guys who are transfer portal additions this offseason alone who are starting for BYU against Sam Houston State. Now, is that an indictment on the current state of BYU's roster? No, I don't think it is. BYU graduated and moved a lot of guys through the program over the past two years who are upperclassmen, who are hanging around where those COVID juniors and seniors have had all that extra eligibility, and BYU benefited from their experience. But over the past two seasons and even this upcoming season, you're going to see the vast majority. <clears throat> vast majority of those guys age out of the BYU football program. Some of these transfer portal players are taking advantage of those COVID extra seasons to come and play for BYU, but regardless, it's a been a boon, a, a big-time boon to BYU's chances in the Big 12 Conference to have used the transfer portal as effectively as they have. I think that BYU ranked number 20 in the country is a very good spot to be for BYU, and I would fully expect, by the way, this is just a, a personal uh, tidbit, I've not heard this from anybody, but I think that you'll continue To see BYU load up via the transfer portal so long as they continue to find talented players out there that they think are difference makers for them. That's the thing about this is BYU is not just going to take any transfer. That's that's the one thing I think gets kind of overlooked or I guess overblown with regards to the transfer portal. I've seen some people on social media say, Well, BYU is relying too much on the transfer portal, folks. Every program is relying on the transfer portal. It is a new day and age. It is college free agency, for lack of a better term. You can guarantee that when Alabama... Uh, Let's see Georgia. The, just think of the top teams in the entire sport when they're taking on multiple transfer portal targets and they're bringing them into their programs in this past during this offseason season it's still ongoing. You can guarantee BYU be dumb not to do this. BYU will continue to build their roster as much as they humanly possibly as much as they. Yeah, humanly possibly can via the high school route. Obviously, you want program guys who are going to spend maybe four or five years at BYU helping build the culture and being those guys who are kind of the glue of the BYU football program, but anymore with the ability to transfer at whenever you want, speaking of these student athletes, it's obviously going to make it a very important part to use that transfer portal to bolster your lineup. Like I said, there may be years where BYU brings in 5 to 10 guys versus maybe the 20 plus that they've brought in this offseason, but still, you can guarantee it will be part of how BYU builds their rosters until there comes a day that they make a change via the NCAA of how the transfer portal is going to operate. Do I see it ever going back to the way it was where you have to sit out of here? Absolutely. freaking not and nor should it. It should give these student athletes every opportunity to find the right situation for themselves. Kalani Satake has been very adamant from the get go that he is willing to bring guys into his program via the transfer portal, but also let guys move on via the transfer portal out of the BYU football program if it's in their best interest. He wants, and he's a former player who can speak directly to this because he did not have this quote unquote freedom that he when he was a student athlete at BYU to find the best situation for themselves. He He makes calls on behalf of multiple players that have transferred out of the BYU football program, trying to find them the best situation for them to succeed in their playing careers. College football players have a finite period to really capitalize on their talents and their abilities because it's a four to five year window that you really have a chance to show what you're capable of doing. So expect BYU to continue to bring in multiple guys every single year via the transfer portal. But at the same time, expect to see multiple guys exit the program. But let me also caution one other thing. Don't get too high or too low on guys coming in versus going out. It's, it it, it, sadly, it's kind of taken away some of that. um, What do you call that loyalty to a program? And I I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the entire world, but at the same time, it does hurt in terms of the overall go out there for Alma mater and, and support the support your boys. So it's, It's a crazy, crazy world out there via the transfer portal. I've got no qualm in saying that, but I do think BYU ranked number 20 in the country via the transfer portal rankings a great spot to be in because I really do think BYU could have a large large contingent of their starters this season. There were guys that were added to the roster this offseason via that portal and it's going to give BYU a major benefit I think going into the Big 12. It's going to give them a bigger opportunity to be a more competitive football program than they would have otherwise had an opportunity to be. Will it ultimately pay off with 8 or 9 wins? No, I don't think so. I think that 6 and 6 very much. You get to a bowl in year 1 in the Big 12, I think that would be a pretty solid accomplishment, frankly a massive accomplishment in my mind and anything beyond that would be absolute gravy and we'll have to sit back and wait 87 days away from today when BYU takes on Sam Houston State there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll get to your guys' questions. We're doing a mailbag on a Wednesday. Uh, We'll get to as many questions that you have submitted via social media, email, and other uh, methods coming up here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Bird Dogs. Excuse me, I put up the wrong graphic there, but nonetheless, Bird Dogs has been working with us for the past couple of weeks, and the best part is Bird Dogs make you look good, and I can speak directly to this because Bird Dogs sent me a, a, two pairs of their shorts. The best part is their stretch khaki shorts are design, designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Now, anybody who knows anything wants to look sculpted. We all know that. Bird Dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts. that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton, and the best part is they have fixed this issue by inserting cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a Way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice that movement or that freedom. They also use anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So show yourself wearing your bird dogs on camera and talk about how good they look uh, when you're uh, wearing your old stiffer shorts or pants. Make sure to social, put it on social media and show it off to our friends at Bird Dogs. The best part is you can go to birddogs.com, get one of these really cool Yeti-style tumblers when you use the promo code Locked On College there at birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Once again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style Tumblr. Once again, with every single order, you, you will not want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate you guys being dayers with us here on the podcast. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic day out there, whenever and wherever you're tuning in from, whether it's via YouTube, you're watching my lovely face on camera, or if you listen to us uh, on all the various major podcasting platforms out there. Uh, appreciate all of your guys' uh, in- input. Uh, by the way, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll continue to look back at all of our BYE, all the games in BYU Football uh, Independence. Uh, we're looking at all 155 games. Coming up here in just a little, bit, we'll talk about Boise State, uh, the extended misery for BYU in that season. But tomorrow, we'll continue to look back at that. And also, I've got an idea. I'm gonna see if I, if I can pull this off. This is I'm not gonna necessarily give too many details on this. I'm trying to uh, get some intel on where things stand for BYU with regards to what's going on inside the athletic department and some of the other, uh, I guess, what do you call it, best practices when it comes to BYU building towards the Big Twelve. If I can get the information, I think I'm capable of getting. Ending. We'll probably get to that on tomorrow's show, so stay tuned to that. Be in every day with us and make sure to rejoin us on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, on to the mailbag. Your guys' it's time to shine here on the podcast. We do this weekly or actually bi-weekly. No, is it twice a week? No, nonetheless. But thank, big thanks regardless for all of your questions. Uh, first question coming in is Matthew Lund. He asks, what will be what you do with the Provo High Campus? Obviously, I talked a little bit about this the other day on the podcast. I believe it was on our Tuesday edition of the podcast. I honestly do not know what they're going to do with the Provo High Campus. As it stands right now, BYU is using it uh, to house different departments when they're either, in the case right now, of the Harris Fine Arts Center that's been torn down and being rebuilt on the east side of BYU's campus, while all the Harris Fine Arts faculty, staff, etc. are all being housed at the Provo Campus for the time being until that's rebuilt. I would assume that uh, whenever BYU can finally get to a situation where they're not having to constantly move departments into that into that campus to obviously renovate or rebuild structures on campus, I think you'll then see BYU finally lay down what their master plan is for the campus. The Provo High uh, buildings itself, the school itself, uh, a lot of it's crumbling. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying it's old. It was a campus that was already old when Provo High moved out of it. So BYU has to do something with it. I would love for it. This is just my personal opinion. I don't know anything on this. I would love for BYU Athletics essentially to move across University Avenue and take up that entire campus. Build sports-specific buildings, practice fields, give them uh, all of the resources that BYU fans have craved for their athletic department for years, and give that to BYU Athletics. That obviously would give that lower part of BYU's campus to other buildings that could be built for academic purposes, etc., or you could still keep them for sporting uh, events. But I would move all of like the offices, give BYU football a specific, facility over across the street there. That would be my ultimate dream. Now there's also, and I can say this because I do know this part of it. BYU back in 2016 when they were making overtures to the Big 12 and the Big Twelve was looking at expansion at that point, did put in a plan, I guess you'd call it a a a blueprint, whatever it is, that a future home of the next iteration of Lavelle Edwards Stadium could be put on that land on the Provo High campus. Is that going to be the end product of what that campus is used for? No, that does not mean that, but it was put in a presentation given to the Big 12. I, I have it on very good authority from multiple people who were in the room when this was done. That, that was a proposal that BYU used as a quote-unquote hook with the Big 12. So I think everything and anything is on the table, but Jake Hatch's personal opinion is it should be BYU Athletics' property. It should be like the, the home of BYU's athletic department. All the various programs. could can call it home. You can build practice fields, uh, team-specific facilities. I think it would be a great, great place to move all of BYU Athletics to obviously Sands, uh, BYU Basketball, because they have the Marriott Center annex up there next to the Marriott Center. All right, next question coming in. Uh, Cam asks, Jake, I'm a big fan. I just had a quick question. I want to know more about the differences in this year's new defense and the staffs uh, slash coaching versus last year and what changes are needed to be made to have a better, more complete defense. He says, Especially when it comes to defending the run game. Uh, Cam, I think it's a great question. I can tell you the one thing about this is that Jay Hill preaches what Bronco Mendenhall used to call fanatical effort. You guys probably heard Bronco use those buzzwords during his time as BYU's head coach. He wanted guys who were just absolutely going to go all out Every single play and play with their hair on fire, to use another analogy. That is what Jay Hill's after. Obviously, Jay Hill knows the BYU's defense was not up to snuff last year. He has done a very very good job at getting back to the basics with BYU's defenders. You could ask any one of them, and I know a number of you probably have association with one or two BYU players. And if they're a defensive player, ask them about how basic they broke it down this past spring, and it was not a bad thing because BYU absolutely needed to break it down. More tackling drills, more pursuit drills, how to uh, go in and strip balls. They were breaking it down bit by bit, and that's the right way to go about rebuilding this defense. Start literally from ground zero. These are guys who have. Played football their entire lives but they get into bad habits and they had a lot of bad habits last year I'm talking I'm not pointing out any individual player it was across the board even the coaching staff got into bad habits and it was a big big issue for BYU so I think the like uh, to answer your question simply. I just think that Jay Hill has tried to go back to square one and build from there. Is it going to be a finished product year one and obviously game one against Sam Houston State for BYU's defense? Absolutely not. It may not fully be implemented for the full year upcoming for BYU football. But I would expect incremental in increases in terms of the overall output, play, uh, defensive cohesiveness, whatever you want to term it. I think you'll see incremental progress along the way. But keep your eyes out for it. I just think that. The, the, the. Effort level alone can make a big difference for BYU's defense than it was a year ago. All right, next one. Claymore asked this. Given the depth of the running back position, would you move Miles Davis back to wide receiver? Claymore, speaking personally, I would consider it. I I think that he is a guy who played wide receiver in high school, came to BYU, made the transition to running back, has showed promise, uh, suffered back-to-back broken bones in both of his feet, by the way, and has battled back from that. Maybe, just maybe, it's worth giving him a look at at wide receiver, because he may be very well be a de- depth buried on the depth chart at running back. Excuse me, uh, I think it would not be a bad idea to give him a run and see how he looks at wide receiver. Does that mean he's going to show up and immediately become one of the top three receivers for BYU? I don't think so. I think he'd still be buried on the depth chart, so to say, at wide receiver. But uh, if he is that far down at running back, what's the harm in potentially trying him out at wide receiver? Or potentially, if it doesn't work out there, moving him over to safety on defense. We'll see. I, I think he'll. Look at running back personally because I just think that's the position he's been tabbed to play for BYU. But hey, only time will tell, and we'll see what happens. So m- my personal opinion, Claymore, they should give it a shot and see what see what happens. Next question, Greg Romano, a good uh, longtime listener. By the way, all you guys who are uh, weighing in here, I think are pretty longtime listeners. So thank you. It says, what long term ramifications, if any, will this week's Built Bar controversy have on future NIL deals? Uh, do you think that Built Bar or other companies will have second thoughts about providing NIL deals en mass? I do think that you will, uh, as I think, uh, what was it? I was reading Extra Points, a great newsletter that's put out by Matt Brown. If you're not reading it, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, ExtraPointsMB.com. It's not a plug. I'm not paid to say that. I just, I've just i been subscribed to Matt uh, since he started the newsletter. He wrote a really good piece for Extra Points on this. And I think the the key takeaway from all this is if you're going to enter an NIL deal, get it in writing. Get it in a contract. Get it on paper so that, that way you know exactly what is expected when you can expect to be Paid uh, what the expectations of where that money is going to go are. Just make sure it is all written down. Do I think it's going to affect BYU's long-term uh, NIL deals? I don't necessarily think it will. Uh, I, that's my personal thought on the matter. I could obviously ask some people who are more in the know on that, but I think Bill Bar has stepped up to the plate and tried to make sure that they are taking care of BYU's players when they really didn't have to. By the way, they gave them that extra six hundred dollars a piece. That's seventy-five grand, nearly an uh, extra money up. Uh, spent out of pocket by Bill Barr and CEO Nick Greer, but I do think that BYU will get past this. Uh, is it going to be used against them on the recruiting trail? Absolutely. You can guarantee that other teams are going to use that against BYU, even uh, ignoring the context of it all. that That's the tough part about this, is it's going to be completely ignored, the context of all that situation, and then the fact that it came out with a good ending at the end. You can guarantee that's, that part's going to be left out as well. It's going to be used as a negative against BYU, and it's unfortunate, but it's kind of how the recruiting game goes. All right, next question coming in here from JT uh, Kucher and, uh, and JT, I know uh, you and some of your other family members listen to this show. I apologize if I butcher your guys' last name. I believe it's Kucher. If it's not, let me know. Uh, please send me a note and let me know how to pronounce it correctly. But regardless, here's the question. What does BYU need to do to win the state of Utah in terms of recruiting? Is it something that has to do with facilities upgrades and NIL and things like that, or is it just as simple as winning football games? Uh, frankly, JT, I think that BYU winning football games go a huge, huge, Huge way to BYU becoming the darling of all these recruits' eyes. I, I don't say this lightly, but there are a number of high-level athletes who are young men who are in the high school realm right now who are high-level athletes. Think about what the dominant team in terms of overall winning has been over the past 10 or so years. It's been Utah, sadly. And I don't say that lightly because BYU's had good moments, but obviously the head-to-head with the rivalry outside of the last game BYU won against Utah, Utah's dominated that rivalry. The youth, the growing up years of many of these young men, they watched Utah dominate BYU. That's why Utah is still the quote-unquote sexy team out there. If BYU can start beating Utah regularly, start putting up some pretty good seasons in the Big 12, that could flip very quickly, but it is obviously going to take winning football games, but at the same time, upgrading facilities, having NIL opportunities that are unsurpassed, that type of stuff can help as well. BYU will still be able to pick off their fair share of recruiting wins. Don't don't be, don't say, don't uh, quote me saying that I'm all doom and gloom about BYU's recruiting prospects in the state of Utah. I'm just saying, if they want to become that team that's on everybody's mind, like from minute one, you got to win football games. You got to be that sexy program out there, and we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see where it ultimately lands uh, for BYU. But uh, I I'm interested to see how BYU moves forward with this as well. In terms of just making sure that they are in the mix for more of these young men, because I, for one, would love to see more of BYU's uh, athletes, uh, more athletes coming to BYU via the high school realm and getting more of those high-level athletes in particular. And by the way, telling the Big Twelve and the Pac-12, stay out of Utah. It, it belongs to the in-state schools, particularly BYU. I'd love nothing more uh, for that than than for that to happen. Honestly, all right, I am only like halfway through these questions. So you know what we're gonna do? I'm gonna call an audible on tomorrow's podcast. We'll answer the rest of those questions. Uh, we'll do that on tomorrow's show so stay tuned for that. I do have one more I wanted to get to because I was going to talk about this in our final stanza of today's show. We're going to talk about BYU losing to Boise State back in 2017 as well as a basketball update on the recruiting front. Uh, Robbie McCombs who is just an absolute guru with BYU basketball recruiting has an update on an athlete that BYU has, that has BYU in their top four in terms of their wish list. We'll talk about all that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Now a word on our friends over at at, uh, Perry Homes. They're working on this for months now. The best part is Perry Homes has got the options for you. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, you're looking to build your legacy dream home that's set upon a hill that you're going to retire in and potentially uh, die in, whatever it is, whatever you're looking for, anywhere in between those two scenarios. That's what Perry Homes is here for, my friends. The best part is for 50 years, Perry Homes is Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got the uh, communities, home designs, and the price points to help meet your needs. they got communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties along the Wasatch Front, but also uh, multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to move south. The best part is they offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two-stories to townhomes and everything in between. They even have quick-moving homes available if you're ready to move right now as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's perryhomesutah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued uh, support of the podcast. If you have not done so already, please subscribe, rate, review. If you're watching this on YouTube, right below here, if you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button. Enable notifications by hitting the bell right next to it, so that way when a new episode drops, you're notified of it right away. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating. That's all we want, honestly. I want those five-star ratings, as well as a comment or two, what you like about the show. What would you like to see it improved? If you got a question for the mailbag, you want to drop in there I'll see those as well thank you so much in advance for doing that Uh, we've kind of slacked off over the last uh, few months on asking you to do that it's going to be a renewed effort this summer to get all of you who have not done that quite yet there's hundreds of you that have done it but if you have not done it yet please consider doing so and obviously helping us support the podcast it helps the algorithms out there on YouTube on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and the like Uh, they like it when you guys interact with the show and obviously give us some uh, give us some praise so appreciate you guys doing that in advance all right two more things you before we go on today's show, uh, Robert Nunley sent in this uh, question, and he tagged uh, the article I was going to talk about. He asked this, what is the latest with this Ibrahim Sako and his interest in BYU? Now, if you don't know that name, Ibrahim Sako, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he is uh, from Canada. He's a high school player up in Canada, but originally uh, from Guinea, if I'm not mistaken, over in Africa. Six-foot-six uh, athlete, uh, kind of a, a wing player, but has a one wingspan. Gee, what does that sound like? Oh, that sounds like a guy like Fuseni Traore. But this is a young man who is not built like Fusani Traore. Uh, according to R- Robbie McCombs of Vanquish, the foe is saying is that Ibrahim should be taking a visit to BYU this next week. Uh, I think it would be a very, very savvy pickup uh, for BYU. 6'6", 222 pounds, played at uh, Jay Addison in Ontario, Canada, uh, in, a, in a prep program up there. Uh, standing reach of eight foot seven, geez, absolutely incredible numbers coming out of the high school ranks up there in Canada. I think this would be a very, very savvy pickup for BYU to use their final uh, scholarship on obviously Jake Wallen opting to go to Utah has opened up that scholarship for BYU, but this is, I think, uh, one of those things you should keep an eye on, because uh, Robbie's talked about this. BYU is, is really evaluating international talent, and Ibrahim uh, matches this, like I said, as a native of Guinea, uh, coming to uh, the prep ranks in Canada, but at the same time. He also mentioned he expects an Eastern European forward to visit BYU soon as well. He said he's also got four international players he's keeping an eye on for that last spot. So do not be surprised if BYU makes a move here in, in the transfer portal with regards uh, to basketball and it's going to come I think very relatively quickly. So keep an eye on that. Alright, final thing on today's show is looking back more at the 2017 season. Absolutely brutal stuff to look back at this season because it was the worst season in 50 years for BYU football, frankly. But BYU came off a lot where they just self-imploded against Utah State. As I mentioned, seven turnovers, two of them picked sixes. Uh, Jalen Davis had a hat trick of uh, picks uh, against BYU. Well, the following week, BYU welcomed Boise State, uh, kind of a middling Boise State team, to be honest, to Provo with the hopes of uh, rebounding and getting their season uh, turned around. BYU was 1-4 on the year, and I remember there was already so such a negative vibe around BYU at this point of the season. The question was, is BYU going to be able to turn this around and get to 6 and? six on the year? Well, Boise State would do their part to make sure BYU would find it tough to do so because Brett Ripon came in and ended up passing for just 125 yards and one touchdown, but Boise State, more importantly, got the win as Alexander Madison ran for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Boise State tallied up 24 points, uh, scoring 17 in the second quarter and tacking on another late in the game in the fourth quarter to win uh, 24-7. to Crazily enough, uh, BYU actually took the lead in this game, 7-0 at the end of the first quarter, giving some hope they may be able to get it turned around. Ula Tolitao was BYU's leading rusher in this game with nine carries and 38 yards and the one aforementioned touchdown run for BYU in that first quarter. But then after that, it was all Boise State. And it obviously, BYU fell to one and five on the year. And it would only get deeper, the whole, uh, speaking of BYU, in this season. Longest losing streak in 50-plus years for BYU. And we'll continue to talk about this, but just brutal, brutal stuff. I'm thinking back, I, I, I remember this game, it was actually one of the games you thought, okay, BYU's got a chance here. Because like I said, Boise State was not the world beaters they typically had been that season. But just with how bad BYU was... It just the hole would only get deeper because they were going to face two very, very tough road uh, uh, excuse me road games coming up. We'll talk about Mississippi State tomorrow on our Thursday edition of the podcast. And then maybe the most disappointing of the entirety, uh, the final game in that losing streak, we'll get to on Friday. Uh, obviously, many of you recall it's a game at East Carolina that was just absolutely bitter. And I think in some ways, that along with a game later on in the season that you lost to UMass, ultimately, truthfully uh, sealed Ty Detmer's fate. But we'll continue to break this down, looking back at those games, and we'll get through this together, my friends, when it comes to looking back at 2017 right here on the podcast. All right, that's going to do it. A big thank you to all of you for your support, as always. Hope you guys are all doing well out there. Thank you for being uh, with us every single day. Thank you for being our making it your first listen of the day, I should say. And thank you to all of you who are our everydayers right here on Locked On Cougars. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your Wednesday whenever you hear this and or watch it. And we will reconvene tomorrow, right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya.